0: and if you're going to win souls you've got to love souls in spite of their meanness in spite of the way they look in spite of everything you've got to seek to bring souls to Jesus Christ because you love them because Jesus loved them and because Jesus died for them and you're trying to bring them to the Son of God Welcome to Sandy Creek Stirrings, of course, I'm your host, Joshua Jimenez, and I'm excited about today's podcast episode. Now I'll be honest with you, today's episode isn't going to be something that everybody is going to be on the bandwagon for. But by the way, this is not my personal wagon that I'm going to present today. This is something I've truly believe is a big part of the Word of God. And so we're going to talk about that today and introduce you to the subject, something you've probably already been introduced to, but something that I think is very important for Christians to consider during this time of the year. Now, before we get into our episode today, let me encourage you to go online, and you can go to Facebook, and you can share our Facebook post with these episodes. It'll help to inform your friends about what's going on, but this episode today is going to be something that I think you're going to want to share and stand behind, especially as we move into this time of year. It's going to be very important for you to talk about. And so let me encourage you to go online. You can share these Facebook posts. You can follow our newsletter and get these episodes emailed directly to you through your email. Just go to sandycreekstarrings.com. Go to the bottom, you'll see an email, um, a place to plug in your email. And you can go in there, type in your email, and you can get all these episodes sent directly to your Email. So let me encourage you to do that today. Now, last week we talked about witchcraft in the Bible and witchcraft in today and in your home. And we talked about and examined some things in regards to how Satan wants to sneak in influences of witchcraft, influences of divination, influences of all those different things we talked about. And Satan, by the way, wants to get those things into your home. And if you missed the episode last week, let me encourage you to go back and listen to that episode, because it really sets the foundation for our topic today. Of course, you saw the title of the episode, How Should a Christian Respond to Halloween? And so Halloween, of course, we're right on it. We're knocking on the door, per se, in the year of this this time period, not talking about trick-or-treating. You know, that kind of didn't work too well, knocking on the door. But we're talking about Halloween today. And so last week provided what I felt was a good foundation for jumping into this subject. Because, by the way, folks, Satan uses media to try and get influences of witchcraft into your home. But at the end of today, I hope you realize as well, he will use the period of Halloween to try and get into your home as well. Now, as we come into this subject, I want you to picture something in your head for me. I want you to imagine somebody. Imagine those scariest person you can ever imagine. Maybe they're wearing a mask. Maybe they got a chain. I don't know. But uh, imagine the scariest person. Imagine them. They're banging on your door, trying to break it down. And when they get in, it is without doubt, they will kill you. They will kill your family. Imagine that. Imagine that you have nothing to protect yourself with once they get inside. There's no gun. There's no knife. There's nothing. They're just going to break down the door and kill you then let me ask you this question. How many of you would go to the door and open it and let them in? If you are, you are an idiot. And I I know that may be a rough term, but you would be nuts. I think most of you listening would agree with me unless you're crazy. You would not go open the door. Now, is the door the danger? No, the door isn't the danger, is it? It's actually the safety. The door is the safety, but when you remove the door, when you open the door, you have taken it from being a safety to it being a gateway for the wrong things. You have just allowed the dangers to come in. Doors, walls, barriers, things like that are for your safety and for your protection. They're to keep dangers out. Now, in regards to this, Secretary Nielsen said after unveiling what they labeled as part of the Trump wall, she said this. She said, so let me be clear, walls work. That's not my opinion. That's not a tagline. It's not even a political statement. It's a fact. Walls work. Let me tell you something. The walls, the the doors, the windows of your house are all there for your protection and for your safety. We build those for protection, don't we? Overseas, missionaries build fences and they have to put barbed wire on the top for their safety because they want to protect what's inside. They do not want to allow something dangerous on the outside to get into the inside. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse number 8 says, He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it, and whoso breaketh the hedge, the serpent shall bite him. There is a hedge that God places around you and your family if you are in his will. In His will, God puts a hedge of protection around you. Now, within your life, you have to build some hedges. You have to build some walls of protection. And by the way, the Bible gives you some walls, some hedges of protection you need to be. Hey, you shouldn't drink alcohol. That is a hedge of protection. You shouldn't be involved in drugs. That is a hedge of protection. You shouldn't be involved in pornography. Build the hedge of protection. You'll find Mark chapter 12 talks about a man who built a hedge around his vineyard. He wanted to protect it. He wanted to keep everything safe, to keep the things inside safe, and to keep the dangerous things out. So he built a hedge around it. Now, the hedge, spiritually speaking, is your standards, your biblical standards that you adhere to. If you allow your standards to fall, you break the hedge, and you open the door for Satan to get in. You say, how do you mean? Let's use the example of liquor for a second, okay? I've built the standard around me. I've built the hedge, the standard. I will not drink. I won't. I've seen too many destroyed lives. I've seen too many beat up women. I've seen too many uh, children who run for their lives when their daddy comes home. I've seen too much of it to ever drink. Not only that, but the Bible is clearly against alcohol. I've built a hedge around me. I've built a standard around my family. As for me and my house, we're not going to drink alcohol. We will serve the Lord. And we'll talk about alcohol in depth at some point in time. But it's very important you understand this. I built a hedge around me. I built a standard. But what if I allow that standard to slip? Well, hey, some buddies are going down to the bar, you know, and they're going to drink, and they're just going to watch the game, just have a few social drinks. Um, just to start, I'm hanging out with the wrong friends, but anyway, and they're going down to the bar, and they, they invite me to come along, and well, I go along, and I'm not going to drink, but I go to watch the game, and then the next time I go to watch the game, and I just have a sip, and what have I done? I begin to break the, the hedge. And by the way, the Bible says, and the serpent shall bite him. The serpent shall bite. Bite him. Let me tell you something. Satan is willing and ready for your standards to break so he can come in and you're letting something dangerous inside and he will bite you. He will bite you. In fact, when God talked to Satan about his servant Job, Satan even made that statement you have put a hedge around Job, but hey, break the hedge and I will bite him. Satan wants to bite you, folks. He is dangerous. He wants to destroy you. Now, in the opening story that we talked about, we would never open the door because of a physical danger. Let me tell you something, Christians. Across America, I see Christians who would never open the physical door to the danger, but they sure do open a lot of spiritual doors for Satan to gain entrance into our homes. We have opened way too many spiritual doors. Sadly, we have let the ball drop when we as Christians allow anything with the influence of Halloween into our home. And I hope by the end of today's episode, you will agree with me and understand, not necessarily with me, but with the Bible. You see, when we open the door for Halloween, Satan does have an entrance, and somebody is going to get bit. Now, it may not be you, but it may be your children. It may be your grandchildren. It may be two generations from now of your family, that are no longer in church, somebody, listen to me, somebody will get bit. Now, on the flip side of this, everything we do is supposed to be for the glory of who? Well, it's supposed to be for the glory of God. Isaiah forty three, seven says, Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him. The whole purpose of why you were created, the Bible says, for my glory. 1 Corinthians chapter ten, verse thirty one says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. And then first Thessalonians five twenty two says, Abstain from all appearance of evil. If it even looks, just barely appears to be evil, the Bible says abstain from it, which means stay away from it, get away from it, have nothing to do with it. Now, as we go into this subject today, I want you to approach it with that thought. Is this something that glorifies God, according to Isaiah 43, 7 and 1 Corinthians ten thirty-one, And is this something that even has the appearance of evil? 1 Thessalonians 5.22. And then the third mind and aspect I want you to approach this with is, am I opening a door for Satan that maybe I won't get bit, but maybe my children will get bit? Let's talk about that. Halloween, folks, it's not just about candy and costumes. Yes, it is about witchcraft. It is about Satan. And I feel we have dropped the ball as Christians when it comes to Halloween. We host Halloween parties. We get involved in the functions and events of Halloween. We dress up like characters that, by the way, God opposes in witches and wizards. Hey, God is not for, and we talked about this last week, God is not for Harry Potter, so he's not for you dressing up like him. And so let me give you very quickly today the history of Halloween. It was started by a class of the—and I've heard this pronounced several different ways. Maybe one of you out there can correct me, but I've heard it pronounced Celtic sometimes, and other times I've heard it pronounced Celtic. Have you heard that before? Some some people seem to pronounce it Celtic, and some people pronounce it Celtic. I'm not sure. I've looked it up. I can't really find a definite answer. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go with Celtic today. All right, Celtic, C-E-L-T-I-C, Celtic. We're going to go with that. So it was started, Halloween was started by a Celtic nation, or by a class of them, rather, and that class was known as the Druids, the Druids. Now, Greek and Roman writers within history make reference to the Druids and their practice of human sacrifice. The Druids, this class of the, of the Celtic nation, boy, there I am, I'm pronouncing it several different ways, they were known for their practice of human sacrifices, now, the people they would sacrifice was often convicted, crimin, convicted criminals, but one writer put it this way, and I quote from him, If there was no criminals on hand, innocents would be used, meaning innocent people. The Druids, they claimed to be Medians between the people and the divinities. They claimed to be how you would talk to the divinities, the different, lowercase g, gods. Now, these are the people, the Druids, are responsible for giving us the, really, it's a religious holiday, Halloween. Now, their religion was so wicked and so vile that even the world saw it. You say, how do you know that? Well, in the takeover of the Celtic lands by the Romans in 58 through 51 BC, the Romans banished all practices and evidences of the Druids. You were not allowed to be a Druid. The pilgrims, when arriving to the New World, created a law. Look it up. Created a law abolishing Druids and their evil religious holiday of Halloween from the New World. Look it up for yourself, folks. It's true. All right. So, for the Druids, let's talk about what was Halloween for them. Well, November 1st for a Druid was the New Year. And October 31st to them was actually the festival of Samheen. Samheen was their god of the dead. So this festival they had involved a a feast, a festival honoring Sam Heen, and it was by the Druid. They believed that on this night, the dead from the previous year would come back that night searching for new bodies to possess. Let me ask you a question. And this is the truth of Halloween, folks, the true history of Halloween. Look it up for yourselves. You will find that what I'm telling is not my personal opinion. It's not some haphazard thing that I found. This is the truth, folks. Let me ask you a question. Already, is it something for the glory of God and something that abstains from all appearance of evil? Uh, No, it's not. It's directly opposite to those verses we talked about earlier. So they believed that on this night, the dead from the previous year would come back that night searching for new bodies to possess. This is not a joke, folks. The barriers between the natural and supernatural are at at their thinnest that night, and so this allowed for the reincarnation of the previously dead and for the demons to roam free. Now, once darkness came, the Druids would begin to go house to house, and they would look for food, they would look for treats, they would look for um, foods to please the demons. They'd also look for human sacrifice. And so I read from an author. He said this, quote, Speaking of their celebration of Halloween, he said, quote, As darkness set in on October 31st, the clan of druids would put on their white robes and hoods. They would carry sickles and Celtic crosses as they began a torchlight procession. At the beginning of the procession, a male slave would be killed and dragged by a rope fastened to his left ankle. The druids would walk until they came to a house or a village where they shouted the equivalent of the modern day trick or treat. The treat was a slave girl or any female that would be given to the Druids. If the people refused to giving a girl as a quote-unquote treat, blood was taken from the dead slave and used to draw a a hexagram typically or a six-pointed star typically on the door or the wall of the village. And So the spirits of the horned hunter of the night were invoked by the Druids to kill someone in that house or village because they refused to give a treat. If the house or village gave a girl as a treat, the Druids put a pumpkin with a face carved in it in the front of the door or the gate of that place. Inside the pumpkin was a candle made of a human tallow to keep evil spirits away. And thus the jack-o'-lantern was and is a sign that you had cooperated with Satan." Now, they would take all these treats, these sacrifices, and together, and they would have put them all in a human sacrifice fire called a bonfire, where we get our term bonfire today. And so when the fire was done burning, all that was left was human bones. Listen to me, folks. That is the history of Halloween, and that's just scraping the surface. I could give you so much more. Can I give you real briefly just some basic characteristics of Halloween? So far, we've talked about false religion. We've talked about death. We've talked about murder. We've talked about human sacrifice. We've talked about witchcraft. We've talked about fear. We've talked about possession. We've talked about demon activity. Are any of those, listen to me, are any of those things something that give glory to God and abstain from all appearance of evil? No. Are they things that allow an entrance for Satan spiritually? Yes, they are. This is what Halloween was created for. Listen to me. Halloween was not created for your kids to have fun. The Druids didn't come along and say, Yes, kids, kids, hundreds of years from now, we're going to be celebrating Halloween and going around asking for candy. No, that's not what it was created for. It was not created to give you even peace and comfort. And so the Catholics would later take this holiday, the Festival of Samhain, and they would take it and call it All Hallow Days or All Saints Days, and they would pray for the dead on this day to go to heaven. They would have a festival. By the way, you can't pray for the dead. And so it became known as Halloween. Let me tell you something. The history of Halloween is dark. And woe to the Christian who tries to make it something that's okay. Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20 says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness. Now, if that's not an evidence enough for you of the history of Halloween to abstain from it, let me give you some quotes by some people involved in witchcraft. Let me give those to you in regards to Halloween. Here's a quote from Satanic High Priest Blanche Barton, and you can find this quote on the Church of Satan website. Uh, You say, Satan has a church? Yes, Satan has a church. It's called the Church of Satan. And here's one from the Satanic High Priest Blanche Barton. You can look it up online. He said, quote, Halloween gives even the most mundane people the opportunity to taste wickedness for one night. They have a chance to dance with the devil. I see Satanists all over the world meeting in small groups this night in Halloweens 500 years hence to raise a glass to the infernal hosts of hell. End quote. There's somebody who's in tune with Satan. He seems to really like Halloween, doesn't he? He says it gives even the most mundane, the most... Christian people, to the opportunity to taste wickedness for one night, to raise a glass to the infernal hosts of hell. Wow. The Church of Wicca, they pass out the witch's manual. They have this written in their quote, Halloween is by far of the eight celebrations we have. It is our new year. We celebrate it with intense, sacred rituals. End quote. Here's a quote from Anton LaVey, a founder of the Church of Satan, the author of the Satanic Bible. He writes, quote, the two major Satanic holidays are Wolpergesnatt, which is May 1st, and Halloween. By the way, both the Church of Wicca and the Church of Satan say, quote, Halloween is our prime recruiting season. Listen to me. If the church of Wicca loves it, and the church of, quote-unquote, church, the organization of Satan, loves it, why then are we trying to make it okay as Christians? Well, well it's, just, it's just a time for kids to have fun. Well, I mean, that's what you can believe if you want, but here's what satanic high priest Blanche Barton says. They have a chance to dance with the devil. In the opinion of Dr. David Enoch. He was the former senior consultant psychiatrist at the Royal Liverpool Hospital and University of Liverpool. He said that Halloween practices open the door to the occult. Now, here's a guy, he's not even a Christian, open the door to the occult and can introduce, I say Christian, not even a Baptist like us, the occult and can introduce forces into people's lives that they do not understand and often cannot combat. He said this, for too many children, this annual preoccupation leads to a deepening fascination with the supernatural, witches, and the possibility of exercising power over others. Listen to me. Here's a guy who doesn't even believe the same thing as we do, but he sees the dangers of Halloween and what it has to do with our kids. He said this, quote, When Christians participate in Halloween, it sends a message to children that witchcraft, demonism, Satanism, and the occult are something fun, entertaining, and harmless. Did you hear that? Let me read it for you again. When Christians participate in Halloween, it sends a message. You remember how I told you that somebody's going to get bit? It sends a message to children that witchcraft, demonism, Satanism, and the occult are something fun, entertaining, and harmless. You know, some children develop a fascination with the supernatural, and it leads them later into even more sinister occultic practices. Here's what somebody said, quote, it's the spiritual equivalent of painting a real loaded gun to look like a toy and giving it to a kid to play with. Let me say that again. It is the spiritual equivalent of painting a real loaded gun to look like a toy and giving it to your child to play with. That is what Halloween is. And we could spend the, we could spend 25 episodes just talking about quotes from these people. But without going into greater detail, the Church of Wicca, the Church of Satan, Satanism, and all that junk, by the way, all that wicked stuff, Is very closely related and highly involved in Halloween. Yeah. Can I remind you of Nahum chapter 3 and verse number 4? Nahum chapter 3 and verse number 4, which I think is a phenomenal passage to read. Let me read it to you real quick. Because of the multitudes of the whoredoms of the well favored harlot, the mistress of witchcrafts that selleth nations through her whoredoms, And families through her witchcraft. Listen to me. Be very dangerous. Halloween is very dangerous. Don't be very dangerous. Halloween is very dangerous. Let me read you some stories. One 16 year old in Pearl, Mississippi, stabbed his mother to death in her sleep. He went to school, opened fire, killing two students and wounding seven. They later found out that this student, along with a couple others, were involved in a small satanic group. And you want to know from him where it all started? Halloween. Halloween. Listen to me, don't think that a Christian kid can't get involved in this type of stuff simply because they are Christian. A young man named Joey said this, quote, It all started a year ago at Halloween. I met these people who asked me to come to their meetings. They have them four times a year. At first, they had me chant from a black book. Then I had to skin a baby rabbit with my bare hands and throw it into a pot. The little thing squirmed and squealed. I had blood all over me. Now I've only got a few weeks left, and it will be Halloween again. They'll make me come to their meetings. And then, hmm, wow. Wow. Listen to me, folks. Listen to me. It's dangerous. Leading former witch Doreen Irving reports how the proselytizing activity of modern witches is designed to recast their tarnished image historically. Quote: It was important to give witchcraft a new look, and these guidelines were laid down. Never frighten anyone. Offer new realms of mystery and excitement. Make witchcraft less sinister. Make it look natural, innocent adventure. Cover up evil with appealing wrappings like the wrappings of candy. Hmm. Mm 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 Listen to me folks. Listen to me, folks. This is dangerous. This is dangerous. A lady who became invo- involved in witchcraft over Halloween gives this story only a day or two after this event she had on Halloween. She said this, some very strange and chilling things began to happen. The list is way too long to name, but for a few examples are suddenly being gripped for no apparent reason by a feeling of terror. Be alone in the house, in the bathroom, and somebody knocks loudly on the bathroom door. Footsteps up and down the hall all night long, locking doors at night and finding them unlocked in the morning. Night terrors of finding myself paralyzed in bed, unable to move. Just a few examples, but this is just a background. A young girl named Clara prayed and made a pact with Satan over Halloween when she was 16 years old, and just days later, Clara was overtaken by strange impulses. She was repulsed by religious artifacts like the cross of the Bible. She could speak and understand several languages of which she had never heard before, and she seemingly became all-knowing regarding people's names and their past. People who cared to Clara reported that she produced horrible animalistic sounds, and she also levitated up to five feet in the air at certain times. Folks, this is not a joke. You know what each of those situations just told me? Halloween opened the door to very serious danger. As I said, you may not be the one who gets bit, but your children, oh, your children may be the ones to get bit. Now, we don't have time to go into it too far today, but I want you to go back in your personal time and read 2 Kings chapter 21, verses 1 through 16 and verse number 20, or all the way from 1 through verse 20. It talks about um, the king of Israel. His name was Manasseh. He began to reign when he was 12 years old. He began to do things that were wicked in the sight of God. He built altars in the house of the Lord to other to other gods. I mean, he was just seriously a bad guy. He made his son to pass through the fire, according to verse number six. He observed times, used enchantments, and dealt with familiar spirits and wizards. I mean, a seriously bad guy, and he began to lead the people to do the very same. What you'll find is, I want to give you what happens when Christians begin to partake in pagan tradition, and that's what Halloween is. What begins to happen? Well, you'll find the people, number one, the people of God, begin to do more evil than the world. The people of God begin to do more evil than even the world does. Verse number 9 in that passage says, But they hearken not, and Manasseh seduced them to do more evil than did the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the children of Israel. God says, Because of their wickedness, they did even worse than the nations I had them destroy. Listen to to me. Some people won't go to church because of the bad reputation of the Christian they know. And sadly, they die and they go to hell. Chance to win them to the Lord is lost because we... When we begin to partake in pagan tradition, we begin to do more evil than even the world does. You'll find in verse number 12, number 2, that God's punishment must come. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing such evil upon Jerusalem and Judah, that whosoever heareth it, both of, both of his ears shall tingle. Hey, by the way, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Don't think you can partake in wicked things, and God not chasten you." Not only that, but you'll find number three, God is forced to remove his presence. If you see in verse number 14, And I will forsake the remnant of mine inheritance and deliver them into the hand of their enemies, and they shall become a prey and spoil to their enemies. God will remove his presence because he cannot allow his presence to be in wickedness. Number four, you'll find that innocent people began to get hurt. When Christians began to partake in pagan influences, innocent people will get hurt. Verse number 16 of that passage says, Moreover, Manasseh shed innocent blood. God said it was innocent. Manasseh shed innocent blood very much till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to the other, beside his sin wherewith he made Judah to sin. In doing that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, he shed innocent blood. As I said, you may not be the one who gets bit. Somebody will, though. Somebody's going to get bit, and what you'll find is, last but not least, when a Christian begins to partake in pagan tradition, you'll find in verse number 20 of that passage, uh, Manasseh passes on. Ammon takes over, and you'll find in verse 20, and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, as his Manasseh did, you'll find number five, the next generation will continue the evil. The next generation will continue the evil. So maybe you're struggling. You're saying, well, I'm thinking about hosting a Halloween party. I'm just, It's just going to be something innocent. I mean, we're just going to dress up. We're not going to do anything satanic, and we'll be fine. You know what? Who knows? You might be fine. Well, let me tell you something. Your children, the generation behind you, will continue what you do, but they'll take it a step further. Your children will always take it further than you do. So, Christian's response to Halloween. Well, here's what I want to ask you. Number one, is Halloween for the glory of God? No, it's not. Look at its history. Look at what organizations that are involved with Satanism and witchcraft, what do they say about it? It's not for the glory of God, folks. You cannot say that. Number two, it does not abstain from the appearance of evil. I'm sorry, if you're running around dressed up as a ghost, if you're running around dressed up as a witch, if you're running around dressed up as a sorcerer, if you're running around dressed up in some of these costumes that are absolutely demonic, no, it's not abstaining from the appearance of evil. And then number three, is it possibly opening up a door for Satan spiritually? Without a doubt. Absolutely. It is opening the door. So no. Christian's response to Halloween, no, a a Christian shouldn't decorate for Halloween. They shouldn't go trick-or-treating. They shouldn't go to or host Halloween-based events. And really, I'll tell you what, a Christian should have nothing to do with Halloween. Now, I know today was a little bit more of a straight-on, just right-down-the-line type podcast episode, but I think it's really something that we cannot slack on we cannot give any leeway to because it wants to destroy us. Satan will use it to do so. Be careful, Christian. Be careful. Let me encourage you to go online. You can share this episode with others. And maybe you're talking to somebody and maybe you're not doing anything with Halloween and they're wondering, why, aren't you, why don't you do anything with Halloween? Maybe you can give them this episode and say, well, here's why. Let me give you some truth about Halloween. Oh, it's dangerous. Be very, very careful. Now, as always, if you have any questions, you can always send those to just go online to our website, sandycreekstirings.com. You can go to our contact page and send a message through there, or you can go to our Facebook page and message us, and we will get in contact with you. would love to hear from you. And amen. I hope God does something great in your life this week and gives you a blessing. Oh, we have such a wonderful life ahead. God is so good, and all the time he sure is good. Until next time, keep looking up. And keep stirred up for the cause of Christ.